Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. ESNY. Sweep is unkillable. Elite Sports New York's Brooklyn Nets podcast, Clean Sweep. We are back. Yes, we did have a little bit of a hiatus, just like the NBA. Um, for Clean Sweep, this is we've had a couple hiatuses, a couple. Uh, actually, we had a hiatus. Um, we had a host change. So Clean Sweep, we've went through a few uh, a few different uh, changes over the past. You know, I guess probably about seven, eight months now that uh, Clean Sweep has been a podcast. But we are back now. We're going to be posting consistently, um, and we're going to start right there. I'm Danny Small. I am one of your hosts, and I'm alongside my co-host, Nolan Jensen. And we are both back for, for good, for the Nets, the run. We got the playoffs coming up. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, but, yeah, just wanted to get that out of the way. Uh, because actually we're doing a mailbag episode today. And one of the first questions we got, uh, when we posed, uh, we posed the, uh, the mailbag on Twitter, one of the first questions we got was from Aaron Vogt and he's basically just asking, you know, how, how often, you know, are we going to be posting to start? We're going to be looking to do once every two weeks about, but once the NBA is back in training camps, once they're back in, uh, you know, playing games, the regular season, the playoffs, all that good stuff comes we're going to be kind of changing up going, you know, once a week, maybe when the playoffs comes, maybe do, you know, a few rapid reaction pods, different stuff like this. So basically that's a long winded, winded intro to say we are back. And after that long winded intro, I'm going to hand it over just to uh, my co-host Nolan, just to uh, kind of say hi and uh, welcome you back in. Yeah, man, we're back like Jordan 95, 98. No, exactly. I won't, raise, I won't raise the bar exactly too high in there. <laughs> lead us up to disappointment but yeah you know it's back it, it, it's good to you know finally be back and doing one of these with you uh danny um a lot has changed obviously since we last mm-hmm. done a, a podcast um we're going to be talking about like you said the abbreviated or potentially abbreviated playoffs what that means for the brooklyn nets we'll get into that as the episode goes in but right out the gate right now if you're on Nets twitter in the past week all anyone can really talk about is bradley beal and justifiably so report came out that said hey you know there's been internal discussions between the Brooklyn Nets and maybe potentially um, entertaining the idea of a blockbuster trade to acquire Brad Beal. We're going to get into that. Danny, what's your immediate reaction once you, uh, once you read that, or once you heard that report? Uh, well, my immediate reaction was not surprised because if you've spent any time, and you can attest to this more than I can, but oh, if you've spent any time on Nets Twitter – Bradley Beal is a name that you will see maybe not like every day or, you know, all the time, but I feel like he's a guy that comes up and like once in a while, it just be, it takes over. And like the Bradley Beal coming to the nets, he's the third star, like that whole conversation 
uh, just takes over. And I guess it's, you know, it's tough because you got to figure out, you know, what the Nets would have to give up for him and all that stuff. But I guess I'll just start just, you know, Beal as a player. I mean, he's a legitimate, legitimate star. If he's the third guy with Kyrie and KD, I think, you know, that right there, they are a championship contender. But then things, you know, turn into what you're giving up for them, how they can make the pieces work around them with three guys with really, really big contracts. Plus, then you have DeAndre Jordan, who's got, you know, a pretty high price tag for what he is at this point. Um, so, you know, a lot of what Beal, you're bringing in Beal, a lot of it would be figuring out how to make the rest of it work, uh, you know, with the, the that big three, quote unquote. Um, but again, now are, you're obviously going to probably have to give up Karis LeVert and a deal like that. And I'm kind of of the uh, belief that Karis LeVert can develop into one of those fringe all-stars who can be the third guy on a championship team. So I, I'm definitely torn because I do love Beal. You know, I'm actually a Florida Gators hoops fan. So yeah, going that. back there, like I got a soft spot for Beal. So I, I would, you know, I'd be excited if the Nets got him. But at the same time, I also like Karis LeVert. So I, I guess I'm kind of being middleman Dan here. Um, uh-huh. But I, I don't know. I, I, I could really go either way on this one. Well, to play spoiler, um, obviously, you know, the fit makes all the sense in the world. You acquired three mm-hmm. top 20 guys. I think adding in depth pieces around those are complementary pieces. I think Sean Marks' job, even with, you know, limited salary room, is a bit easier just because mm-hmm. you can acquire, like, a veteran's on a minimum, et cetera, et cetera. People that in Twilight of the Careers who were, you know, ex-All-Stars, kind of a la Lakers, a la Bucks, that mm-hmm. are still, you know, very much so um, noteworthy players and can augment your team's dynamic. But with that being said, I'm not sure this is entirely realistic, not just from the Nets perspective, but I mean, Washington, they're really in no obligation to trade Brad Beal. I mean, got him on a contract. Um, they can wait it out. They can use David Griffin's and Trajan Landon's and the Pelicans whole entire front office brass. They can use their blueprint with the Anthony Davis situation, who was unhappy. You know, nothing's <laughs> really come out that said Brad Beal is unhappy. It's all speculation at this point. I mean, you can assume that you know, being on a 24 and 40 team, um, the Wizards, their dynamic, who knows what they're going to be in the next two to three years. You can assume that he's unhappy, but, you know, there's nothing that has cemented that via report or, you know, from, from, from mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Himself. So um, it would take the farm, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. to acquire a Brad Beal type. Because, like I said, like Washington, this is not a deal they would have to make. The conversation would have to start with Gareth Silver. And, you know, although he's – had his fair share of injury problems and unfortunately we haven't really seen what an 82 game Karis Avert has looked like the last couple of seasons and I, I do believe that he can you know still develop into that third piece so I'm not exactly not just not just viewing this straight as unrealistic I'm not sure I'm like exactly too keen on this at the moment and I guess you know unrealistic aspect of it kind of takes over but I mean yeah i I don't know how you, how, how do you feel cuz like I'm I'm of the belief that Washington doesn't necessarily yeah. have to do this. Yeah, cuz I mean like it was almost like people were speculating that Beal would get traded before he got that contract and then he got the contract, you know, the he signed the big extension with with Washington and like it was almost like it picked up even more and people were even more like there was more speculation that Beal was going to go. Um and I think you make a good point. Washington, they have no 
well, not that they have no incentive to trade him because whoever trades for bad Bradley Beal is going to be giving up a lot for him. Right. But you know, they're, they've got John wall coming back. Obviously he's got, you know, big injury. There are questions there, but you know, it's not crazy to think that they might want to, you know, bring back Davis Bertans, you know, add in a couple depth pieces around Beal and wall. Cause even if wall doesn't get back to, you know, what he was, Brad Beal is, you know, top, like you said, top 20, maybe top 15 type player when he's really at his peak. Um, so, you know, you have a stud there, you have John wall They're If they're healthy, they're a playoff team in the East. Um, you know, are they a championship team? Maybe not, but would they really be willing to tear it down if, even if they thought, you know, they could have a chance at, you know, maybe sneaking into the playoffs as like the five, six, seven seed, something like that. I don't know if yeah. they'd be willing to blow it up, you know, just because they're not going to – They maybe a championship is unrealistic. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just – it's a tough one because there's been, there's been so much speculation about the Nets and then, you know, this report comes out and it's like – you know, kind of like I was saying, every once in a while, it seems like there's just a surge of Bradley Beal news and stuff yeah. like that. And this, it feels like we're just in one of those cycles again. And, you know, things are going to happen. Playoffs, people are going to forget about this whole thing. But as soon as the offseason starts again, you know that's the first thing that's, right. you know, that's coming back up. It's, well, are the Nets going to try? Yeah, are the Nets going to try and go after Bradley Beal? It's like the never-ending question uh, in Brooklyn almost. Is there any concerns for you about Bradley Beal's fit on the defensive end? Because I know that's been brought up multiple times that if you have a backcourt, you know, potentially of Kyrie mm-hmm. and Brad Beal, uh, Kevin Durant's shown that he can be a willing defender. He's really stepped up his defensive intensity as a member of the Golden State Warriors, but he also had like three kind of generational defenders on him mm-hmm. with him on the court basically at all times, like Clay Thompson, uh, Draymond Green, and I honestly believe like Andre Iguodala is mm-hmm. yeah. a wing defender as well. So the Nets, they're not going to have that. They could be a, an incredibly dynamic offensive team, like a team that's really fun to watch. But is there any concerns about a potential fit with Brad Beal on the defensive end of the floor? Because there's only been one team, I believe, in the last decade that has been outside the top ten in defensive rating and has won a championship. Yeah, I mean, I think you're obviously going to be con- like kind of concerned about those things. I mean, you know. I don't want to, you know, attribute all this to Beal because obviously the Wizards are kind of, you know, they were just kind of a mess this yeah, year yeah. In, in a lot of ways. But, but you know, the Wizards, their defense was just god-awful this mm-hmm. year. It was, you know, as bad as bad can be. Um, but that being said, I don't, th- like, I, I don't think I worry too much about Beal because he's not a great defender. But, you know, he's, he's long, he's athletic, he can rebound a little bit. Um, I think, you know – Kyrie is in, is the one you would be more worried about because I think he's a worse defender, a guy that you can you know more easily pick out and mismatches and things like that. But you said Kevin Durant, he's a solid defender when he you know when he's playing when he you know and right. yeah, I I didn't necessarily say want to say when he wants to be, but that's that's essentially what it he is. Can yeah. ramp up the intensity exactly. Yeah, when, you know once the playoffs roll around, you know Durant's gonna you know ramp up that defensive intensity, uh, and then you know I mean. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan's not what he once was, but I think he's still a capable defender. And then if you get if you get another guy who's you know just like a, uh, I don't know, like a like a Roberson type, or you know just right. just like another. I mean, he's a bad example because he hasn't played in you know God knows how long. But you know, just That's that, yeah, that defensive, uh, you know, that defensive stopper, and even you know, 
Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, those three guys are going to need a lot of shots on offense. Having a guy who, you know, doesn't need to shoot at all, having a guy like him to just, you know, be on that unit and be the defensive stopper uh, would, would be beneficial. But again, you know, it's, it, who can you find that guy? That's, you know, I, I don't know. That's not necessarily someone that you're always looking for on the free agent market, but I don't know who's, who would that guy be, you know, kind of this off season that they would go and get to fill that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. What, what's your take on, on Beal's defense and, you know, oh, I guess overall fit uh, potentially. I think it's funny because we kind of do have three superstars that mm-hmm. kind of fit that, uh, fit the role of good defenders when they kind of want to be. And I, mm-hmm. I know that you don't want to have to say that, but I've seen Beal it's, wrap up. Yeah, it's true. Players. Yeah, I've seen it with KD. I've seen it with Kyrie. I, I've seen that they can all be willing defenders. I mean, Kyrie Irving's on-ball defense with Steph Curry in the finals was actually pretty mm-hmm. sensational. He had better than like a steal and a half per game, and he had it better than a block per game in those seven games. So, like, I, I've seen it on the biggest days that he can, you know, ramp up his defensive intensity and not be a liability, which, you know, some kind of pin him out to be. So I'm not too concerned, actually, about them. I mean, if you look at the Nets this year, I mean, on paper, it wasn't really a stout defense. They're still eighth in defensive rating. So a lot of that can be schemed out. Like you said, you can play the buyout markets. I mean, it's easier said than done acquiring those, you know, wings or backup fours mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be that can help you in that case. And like you said, also, DeAndre Jordan, I mean, it, it's funny because the eye test for me was so wrong on him defensively this year. I mean, he held opponents to 40% shooting. He was actually an excellent rim protector analytically speaking all season and i thought he was terrible most of the year and he was at 89 percent on isolation defense which was like hmm. okay go figure half the time without yeah. he was flat-footed so yeah like i said like the eye test was completely wrong and i kind of owe him an apology in that aspect but i think you can scheme out a lot of those things it's not really genuine concern to me like it's not gonna be a deal breaker like okay we're not gonna acquire brad beal like you said top 20 player you know to you know, augment or a team dynamic with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because he might not be the greatest defender around. That's not really uh, a concern for me. But, uh, yeah, anything else you want to quickly touch base on with the Beal front? I guess just one last closing thought there would be, you know, obviously if they're trading for Bradley Beal, probably Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie are probably in that deal. Yeah, they're I mean, you know, I I like those guys as players, but it's not like, you know, you're giving up two fantastic defenders and getting Beal back. You know, it's you're not losing a ton on defense to to get Beal. You know, those guys are solid defenders. You know, they're okay, but, you know, it's not like you're trading away, you know, defensive and or defensive player of the year or anything like that um so yeah the defense wouldn't wouldn't bother me so much and then when you have that much talent you you got to figure out a way to make it work around that yeah um but yeah i think that's that's probably uh probably my closing thoughts there we're gonna have this conversation again (laughs) we we, we both know yeah yeah this should just be every we'll do a weekly bradley beal episode now can Ty Lue coach Bradley Beal? Oh, yeah, we'll get in all the hypotheticals. Yeah, yeah. Ty, can, can Ty Lue, is he, will he coexist with Brad Beal? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be perfect. Yeah. But um, you mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie. One of the questions. I think you had the – I think you actually had the mailbag tweet. If you want to yeah, that. I've got it here. Uh, it's fight the good fight uh, sent us. Oh and uh, it said, is Dinwiddie losing it? How is he playing his cards? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's one way to put it. Rough. I like it. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. like it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, 
No, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie kind of is what he is. Um, his Twitter persona, it's not really surprising. I mean, this is a guy since, you know, the beginning of quarantine has traded himself on Twitter probably like five or six times by now. <laughs> he's, no, he's known to do, you know, stuff along these lines. So it's not really surprising to me. Um, the Bitcoin contract, I mean, at the end of the day, it was for a good cause. It was for charity. Was it a little strange? You know, yeah, a little bit. It's a little strange that he wanted to transition his salary into you know, cryptocurrency. I don't think that I had an effect on his trade value whatsoever. I mean, I yeah, mean, at the end of the day, really. he's getting, I think it's 13 million next year. And for a point guard that can elevate his game and average 21 and seven, that production value for what he's making is a team friendly deal. And I think a lot of executives are going to look at it that way. Um, but, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie. So that's all you can really say. He is his own man and I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. It's just Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, Nets fans understand at this point that, uh, you know, that's kind of it's kind of who he is. He, he likes kind of shaking things up. And, you know, I, I don't think many people thought he was actually going to be able to raise, you know, whatever it was, like the equivalent of $24 million in, you know, Bitcoin. Uh, I don't think anyone expected him to do that. And also, like – I read a couple things like it obviously just violated the CBA. So it couldn't just couldn't happen. Um, but that's, you know, there's just Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, he does, he does stuff like that on Twitter. And to be honest, like, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not taking him seriously because obviously he knows way more about like cryptocurrency and all that stuff than I do. Um, but it's just one of those things where you see him on Twitter trading himself or, you know, you know, talking about doing something, you know, some kind of scheme with cryptocurrency. It's just, you know, it's like, all right, you know, it's just Spencer being Spencer. So can't honestly, I, I know some fans probably get themselves worked up about it, but you just can't, I I try not to, uh, I try not to let it like get, you know, get me worked up or anything like that. It is what it is. No, he's almost in a weird way. He's almost made it like more awkward for a potential return than if there was a departure this summer with how many times he's traded himself. I mean, he's traded himself for Thomas Sanaransky. I think the last <laughs> time he traded himself was to the Pistons. Like it's, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Spencer being Spencer. He's trying to get um, all, all 29 other teams or whatever in there. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess we can segue into uh, playoff talks. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So, it's kind of difficult because we honestly don't know what's going to what's going to happen. If we're going to have an abbreviated postseason, if we're not, um, I've actually heard that they might push the regular season to seventy games, which I think is the last thing Nets fans want because they got six games left. The Magic have five games left. The Magic only half came back. You know, nobody played basketball, and and you know, an actual like, mm-hmm. NBA setting on the floor since like March thirteenth, I believe, or March twelfth, I believe. So, you know, anything can happen. You know, if the Nets say the Nets go three and three in that span and the Magic go four and one, all of a sudden we're seeing the Bucks in the first round and you much rather see the Toronto Raptors, as good as the Toronto Raptors are. They're just not the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, do you think, again, it's so hard to predict, but is there any chance like whatsoever in your opinion that the Nets – you know, in an abbreviated postseason, maybe it's a three-game series, maybe it's a five-game series. We obviously know the Raptors historically are not the best game one team in the first round. Do you think there's any potential chance? I mean, by all likelihood, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving aren't playing as well, but could they maybe pull off an upset here? I think – so. okay, so 
this this is kind of where I'm at right now. Like they're going to get to that 70 game mark because I think there's you know just for the TV deal incentives like they're right. just they're going to get there. So even though the Nets like if they drop below the Magic and they have to play Giannis and the Bucks, I just I even in like a three or a five game series, I just can't see them. I can't I see anyone on that team stopping Giannis. So right there, I say you know if they get the Bucks, it's over. You can you know you can count them out. But if they get the Raptors, obviously, if I was betting on it, I would put my money down on the Raptors. But there's a there's a chance, like there's they have a puncher's chance against the Raptors because uh, we've talked about this before, and you kind of just you know alluded to it. The Raptors are very very bad in game ones in the first round in recent eras, and I know you know it. Judging the two 2020 Raptors by the 2015 Raptors is like a a, a weird thing to do, but. You know, even last year they lost the Magic in round one. Weird stuff can happen in those first games. And as we saw, the Nets took down the Sixers and then the Sixers turned it around. So weird stuff can happen in those early games. And if it's a five-game series, I mean, we've seen, you know, way, way in the past when the first round were always five games, we've seen teams that probably shouldn't have won, you know, won in advance. We've seen them, you know, knock somebody off. So I think in a shortened series, especially with all the variables, you know, like going down to Disney, no fans, you know, um, you know, there's all these like crazy variables that could kind of like shake things up. And obviously I'm, you know, we're talking about this as if Kyrie and Katie aren't going to play, but they, they would change the, uh, the calculus there but i i don't think we can we can consider them really right now until we get closer and maybe you know report comes out i think for now we kind of just have to go with you know the the next team we thought was going into the playoffs before you know the shutdown happened so uh no chance of the 99 knicks run i don't think so uh, <laughs> no if they if they get the bucks in that first round they're not they're not they're not having that uh that 99 knicks run unfortunately uh I, I can't see, you know, Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert leading, uh, leading the Nets past the Bucks. It would be, it would be nice, but, uh, but I can't. So you, we, uh, <clears throat> whatchamacallit, uh, you, you kind of, you brought it up about the Raptors, you know, in a shortened series. Do you, do you think the Nets would, uh, would be able to kind of compete in that? Or, you know, do you think, do you think the Raptors would, would kind of walk all over them? Um, it, it obviously would be a better situation for the Nets in a neutral setting, not having to play those first two games. And I can tell you right now, as a Canadian basketball fan in Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. it's just usually hopping. It's a, it's a tough environment to win in. Um, you know, anything can happen. It, 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 this is unprecedented territory, so it makes predicting really hard. But if I was a betting man like yourself, I'd put my money down on the Raptors. But I think the Nets could, you know, potentially steal a game. Like you see, like, a huge Spencer Dinwiddie game or Karis LeVert game. And speaking of those two, I think Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jacques Vaughn have the most riding on a uh, playoff series with, you know, who knows what the hell is going to happen this summer. But I don't – it's, it's kind of hard to say because, like, who knows how much that would alter Sean Marks's um, – uh, game plan for this summer because mm-hmm. it, it feels like just like something significant on the horizon. Um, I think if Jacques Vaughn coaches a great playoff series against Nick Nurse, who, you know, some consider to be probably coach of the year candidate, maybe one of the better coaches in the league, you know, he did a really good job against the Bucks and Budenholzer in last year's Eastern Conference Finals, kind of came out with a blueprint on how to stop Giannis. Um, there might be, you know, there might be room for 
Sean Marks to look mm-hmm. at Jacques Vaughn and say, hey, you know what? Like, why don't we go with this guy? You know, somebody's already been an assistant here since I believe 2016, since Kenny showed up, since Mark showed up. He might have an opportunity. Do you do you do you do you agree with that, or do you think there's absolutely no chance in hell Vaughn is going to be the coach of the Nets entering this new era? I think for something like that to happen, <clears throat> and like I'll I'll be the first to admit I don't like I don't know a ton about Jock Vaughn. I know you know he was in Orlando. Uh, yeah. I know he's been with the Nets for a while, uh, and I feel bad for him because you know he was just about to get his chance to kind of you know show himself off to you know the the Nets organization and all that stuff right before the shutdown. Um, and I got to throw this in. He's undefeated as, as interim no. head coach. Yeah, he's undefeated. Yeah. So he's perfect so far. So I don't want to say that he doesn't have a chance to come back, but I, I really think, especially if Kyrie and Katie don't play in the playoffs, I think after the season, even if, you know, they, they surprise Toronto in round one and steal a series and, you know, advance, I think still it's going to come down to who – Kyrie and KD want to play for ultimately yeah. uh, and you know do they like Jock Vaughn maybe I we you know we don't know I, I can't tell you you know what they're thinking and what you know what's going on in the locker room but I, I just I still have like a, a feeling that it's gonna you know whether it's Ty Lue or somebody else I have a feeling like it's going to be somebody that uh that Kyrie and KD you know almost handpick or you know picked because of them if you know if that makes I'm sense yeah, and and I know you're like you're, you know you're very uh, you're very high on Vaughn or not, not necessarily that you're high on him, but like you're like you've been very complimentary of him. Like you're the person I I know who you know who, not that you stick your neck out for him or anything, but a lot of times you know you were one of the guys saying like, hey, you know, we shouldn't completely discount Jock Vaughn just because he's the interim, which I I don't think that's fair to him, you know, to to discount him like that. But you know, at the end of the day, if we're being real, I don't, I don't see him coming back. No, yeah, that's fair. I, I probably would agree with that too. Um, but yeah, like as you mentioned, you know, even though he's an interim, even though he's kind of just viewed as a placeholder coach, I mean, I think he is a kind of well, I wouldn't say deserving candidate, but he deserves to be mentioned in the the run and mm-hmm. running for the next um, Brooklyn Nets head coach as someone that's, you know, been there for a few years, kind of understands the systems, the philosophies, et cetera, et cetera. And who knows if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving agree with such philosophies. I've also thrown out Mike D'Antoni. Uh, mm-hmm. I love D'Antoni. I think he, especially if you were to acquire a deal too, like that would be such an electric offense. And I think he gets, you know, I think he gets unfair slack for being a defensive disaster of a coach I don't think that's true and I mean he's come close to winning a championship I mean as close as you can really come twice you know if the Rockets don't miss 27 straight threes or whatever that was in game mm-hmm. seven Chris yeah. doesn't get hurt. or if Amari doesn't you know leave the bench in uh game four yeah the, the West going, going finals, back to that. yeah yeah I mean like they probably could have beat the Spurs or would have beat the Jazz in West Coast finals I mean they got the Cavs waiting for them in the finals that's two championships so I think as someone said, like, Dan Tony is kind of what, like, Andy Reid was, Primo Holmes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I like that take. But, you know, I also don't think he is going to get the gig just because the philosophies are kind of different as to what, like, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's are. So, I don't know. It's like a whole, like, weird dynamic. It's, I don't know if it's going to be, like, a power struggle. I wouldn't assume so between, like, Marks and, like, how his philosophies mm-hmm. are with, like, the, you know, obviously we know the Nets are kind of analytical – Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are somewhere in the middle. I'll say neutral. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
I honestly don't know, but I love about all the full 180. I don't think Jack Vaughn is going to get the gig, even though I kind of do like him. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm with you on basically your entire D'Antoni take. I I I've, I love D'Antoni because you know I used to love those uh, like a lot of you know people around our age. I used to love um, those Nash Mari teams. Yeah. You know when he was in Phoenix, and I think he's somebody who like is the type of guy like I don't think like he probably would have a similar offense to what he has now um, in Houston just because you know Kyrie and K- KD they can, you know, handle the ball kind of like, you know, Harden and, you know, their guys who are high usage players. So I think it would be like similar to that, but it's also like he'll, he'll adapt his offense to, you know, his personnel. So he would, I think he would be a guy like the Nets would be an incredible offensive team with D'Antoni as head coach. And then you have Kyrie and KD, not even counting, you know, if they bring Beal over too. Uh, But D'Antoni is a guy who is, butted heads with some superstars you know in the past uh i think you know the, the carmelo anthony one in new york was really the you know the biggest uh kind of most uh infamous of you know incident of him butting heads with a star and he actually he resigned because of it um uh, but he, i mean he's gotten along well with with uh with james harden for years in in houston so i think you know i would like to see him as a nets head coach but again kind of you know just piggybacking off your point, I, I think it might be a little unrealistic um, to expect him to come in. I think, I think the guy who's whoever comes in is going to be like a brand name, a big, a big guy that, you know, everyone knows he's coached before in the league. Uh, but I don't know if it necessarily is going to be uh, Dan Tony. Yeah. Just whoever I guess can see eye to eye and the game of basketball. Yeah. is probably going to get. And I, and I hate to just narrow it down. Yeah, I I hate to narrow it down to like just Ty Lue, but right now it's to me, yeah, that, it feels like it's just Ty Lue. I'm sure you know Tibbs' name was kind of thrown out there a little bit, yeah, um, which one. yeah, I don't know Tom Thibodeau. I don't know how he would get along with those guys, but uh, uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a long way off, and I I, I hate talking about it because I feel like I say this on you know every basketball pod I do. Uh, just it sucks not knowing what's going on and I know now there's been a little bit more like clarity on you know when the league's coming back you know when the playoffs are going to be all this stuff we kind of know a little bit more but it does suck really just you know everything being up in the air for so long because it's tough it's tough to have these you know conversations these hypotheticals and you know try and figure things out and you know forecast what's going to happen it's almost impossible to do when you don't even know you know what's going to happen tomorrow yep that's kind of been the net season in a nutshell. There's yeah, a right. Hypothetical where we don't really know because there's no real sample size. Like King Carrots avert, show the floor with Kevin Durant. We don't really know that yet, you know. And maybe you prematurely trade him, and he turns out to be a guy somewhere else. That all of a sudden is like, oh, we, you know, we probably should have held on to this guy. You know, he's healthy. He's reached that level that all of us kind of expected him to reach after his sophomore season so it's it, it has it's been one giant hypothetical and I'm with you I just kind of want basketball to be played at this point whenever that does happen yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be the happiest person in the world as soon as like that first uh that first regular season game or even yeah. scrimmage whatever the hell they you know they plan to do first time I see that I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be the happiest person in the world no, no doubt. Uh, any uh, final comments here, Danny? Final no, thoughts? I think I think we did a. I think we we covered pretty much. You know, we did the BL thing. We talked a little yep. Dinwiddie playoffs. I think we kind of covered covered everything. Uh, everything pretty pretty good for now. 
you know, I just I get I guess I'll just throw this out. Definitely, definitely glad we're back, and uh, it definitely feels like um, feels like we're a little closer to basketball, even though we don't know everything. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely excited to kind of start getting back in the groove and optimistic. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, any uh, any last words from you? I'm sure we'll be talking about Beal again next week. It's kind of evergreen here. So. Yeah, that's that's Third like grade. yeah, Third that's star, coaching candidates. Yeah, how is Kyrie and Kerry, How does Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant fit in the offense? It'll, it'll all be back. It's not going anywhere. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like uh, time is like a flat circle and uh, and clean sweep. We're unkillable, yeah. and then our topics are always the it's same, same ro- rotating, rotating topics. So hopefully, hopefully the Nets beat the Raptors in the playoffs, and they go in the second round, so we can have something else to talk about for a little while. You know, yeah, that'd be nice. A rematch yeah. with Philly, or you know, Ky or playing Boston, you know, something like that. That would be nice to to have something else to talk about. A little change of pace, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, but um, all right, I guess that's that's about it for us uh, this week on Clean Sweep. Thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, you can go find us on Twitter. Uh, that's probably the best way to keep up, you know, with, uh, with what we're doing and everything. Nolan, you can find him at N underscore Jensen1995. And you can find me at DWSmall8. Thanks for listening again, guys. We will be back very soon because, like I said in the beginning, we are back officially uh, and Clean Sweep is unkillable. So thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.